Welcome back to Last Touch Channel. My name is Anton Vjeltsen. I'm an attorney in the Southern District of California here in San Diego. Today we're going to discuss a case which starts off with a simple traffic violation, but it quickly escalates with the driver being forcibly removed from the vehicle after being tased and pepper sprayed. The officers then search the car but find no contraband. And then hours later, they go back to the impound lot and search the car again. We're then going to go through all the Fourth Amendment warrant exceptions, like the automobile exception and search incident to arrest, and then determine whether the evidence later found in the car can be used against this particular person in trial. And before we go on, I want to thank you for watching me on YouTube, subscribing, hitting that bell notification button. And then if you're listening to the podcast version of this recording, please give it a five-star review rating on Audible or Spotify. And finally, support my channel by purchasing one of these t-shirts on my website at lostash.com. Thanks for watching. Quick message from Lostash. Are you charged with a crime? Or do you want to know your rights if stopped by police? Watch California attorney Anton Vjeltsin discuss legal cases from the Supreme Court, Ninth Circuit, and California State Courts on the Lostash YouTube page. Anton has handled hundreds of federal and state criminal cases, has an in-depth knowledge of the law, and has the best mustache ever. Subscribe to the Lostash YouTube page. That's L-A-W-S-T-A-C-H-E. Today we're discussing a California appellate case, The People versus Evans. And I kind of gave you a little bit of an overview of what happens. But essentially, officers observe a vehicle swerving and not making a right turn with a blinker. And so they pull over this car for traffic violations. The officers approach the vehicle and Mr. Evans, the driver of the vehicle, only slightly opens the window, has a little crack. The officers ask Mr. Evans to step out of the vehicle because this is evening hours and the officers know that this is a high crime area with a lot of gangs. Mr. Evans refuses to step out of the vehicle and tells the officers to get the supervisor on the scene. There's some argument back and forth. The officers continue to ask Evans to get out of the car. He refuses and eventually the officers pepper spray him through that crack in the window, break the window, forcibly remove him and tase him and get him into the patrol vehicle. They search the car incident to arrest because Mr. Evans is being arrested for interfering with a police investigation in violation of California Penal Code Section 148. Now, the officers conducting the search of the vehicle find no contraband. The only thing they find is $65 in cash and 11 empty sandwich bags. They take Mr. Evans to the police station where they conduct a criminal search on him and find that he used to be on probation. In the previous case, he had a firearm stashed inside the vents in his vehicle. With that information, they make a decision to go back to the vehicle, which has been impounded, and search it again. At the impound lot in the vehicle, they open up the vents and find some narcotics. He's then, of course, charged with distribution of narcotics. Mr. Evans said that the searches of the vehicle were conducted in violation of the Fourth Amendment. 
Remember, the Fourth Amendment protects against unreasonable searches and seizures. And generally speaking, officers need to have a warrant before they conduct a search. And warrantless searches are presumed to be illegal under the Fourth Amendment. Now, in this situation, neither party is arguing whether the stop of the vehicle is illegal. Everyone agrees that he could have been stopped for the traffic violation. The only arguments that they have is whether the two searches, the one at the scene and the one that came later at the impound lot, are legal. The searches conducted in this case were, of course, without a warrant. But let's see if any of the well-established exceptions by the Supreme Court apply in this case. Let's start off with search incident to arrest. In Chimel versus California, the Supreme Court of the United States held that a police officer who makes a lawful arrest may conduct a warrantless search of an arrestee's person and the area within his or her immediate control. The Chimel exception derives from interest in officer safety and evidence preservation that are typical implicated in arrest situations. In New York versus Belton, the Supreme Court extended the Chimel rule and held that when a police officer has made a lawful custodial arrest of a vehicle's occupant, the officer might, as a contemporaneous incident of the arrest, search the passenger compartment of the vehicle. Until 2009, Belton was widely understood to have established a simple bright line rule that any time an individual is arrested, officers may conduct a search of the vehicle regardless whether that individual is still close or within close proximity to the vehicle. Now, in 2009, the Supreme Court case Gantt came out and the court adopted a new rule. They said that it didn't make much sense that we can lose all of this privacy interest in the vehicle just because you're being arrested. The court adopted a new two-part rule under which an automobile search incident to a recent occupant's arrest is constitutional if one, the arrestee is within reaching distance of the vehicle during the search, or two, if the police have reason to believe that the vehicle contains evidence relevant to the crime of the arrest. Here, the searches did not fall within the first prong of the Gantt test. When the officers conducted the initial search of the vehicle, Mr. Evans was on the ground after being tased, handcuffed, pepper sprayed, and clearly he did not have access to the vehicle. And then of course, when the officers go back to the impound lot, Mr. Evans is nowhere close to that search. So he's not within the reaching distance of the vehicle. And then as to the second prong, it is hard to believe that evidence relating to the crime would be found within the vehicle. After all, the crime here is impeding with the investigation in violation of Section 148. What kind of evidence would be found inside the vehicle relating to this crime? Impeding an officer's investigation is unlikely to leave evidentiary traces, such as the fruits or instrumentalities of the crime in the particular vehicle. The only conduct underlying the offense 
was Evans' refusal to exit the vehicle when Curry ordered him to do so. It is unreasonable to believe evidence of that conduct would remain in the vehicle after Evans was no longer inside. Accordingly, the appellate court holds that on these facts, search incident to arrest does not apply. So let's move on to the second exception under the Fourth Amendment called the automobile exception. And here, police who have probable cause to believe a lawfully stopped vehicle contains evidence of criminal activity or contraband may conduct a warrantless search of any area of the vehicle in which the evidence might be found. If probable cause justifies the search of a lawfully stopped vehicle, it justifies the search of every part of the vehicle and its contents that may be concealed within the objects of the vehicle. The automobile exception is rooted in the reduced expectation of privacy in a vehicle, the fact a vehicle is inherently mobile, and the historical distinctions between the searches of automobiles and dwellings. The court, of course, begins by looking whether probable cause existed in this case. And the facts known to the police officers was that this vehicle swerved, failed to indicate a turn, and later the defendant, Mr. Evans, was nervous, it was night, in a high crime area. Of course, the court says that nervousness does not provide probable cause. And similarly, just because we're in a high crime area, that does not mean that contraband will be found inside the vehicle. And so the court says that the initial search cannot be justified under the automobile exception. Now let's move on to the search conducted at the impoundment lot. For the same reasons, there are no probable cause to conduct the search at the impound yard. Setting aside the evidence of baggies and cash, which was disclosed during the initial unlawful search, the only additional facts known to the officers when they conducted the impoundment yard search was that Evans had once hidden a gun in his air vents when arrested for a crime sometime previously. We fail to see, however, how the fact a gun was found sometime well before the stop at issue in regard to an unrelated crime for which Evans was apparently never charged somehow established probable cause to believe he had contraband in the car on this occasion. Because the searches in this case were constitutionally impermissible and violated the Fourth Amendment, the evidence found, namely the drugs, should have been suppressed from trial and should have never been used against Mr. Evans. Now, you might be asking yourself, what about inventory searches? After all, if somebody's being arrested and their vehicle is being impounded, officers may conduct an inventory search to look at all the items inside the vehicle. Well, in this case, turns out that officers never conducted such a search. They let the individual who was towing the car to the impound lot to do that. And on the stand, that tow truck driver said that the only thing that he saw in the vehicle were the things that were in plain view and the drugs were found inside the air vents. He never found those. And then the officers who later conducted the search at the impound lot, that was not inventory search. They're coming later on after the vehicle was already impounded. So if you enjoyed this video, please give it 
a five-star review rating on Audible or Spotify. And if you're watching this on YouTube, give it a thumbs up, subscribe, hit that bell notification button, so next time I post, you'll be first to know. Thanks for watching.